2: Welcome to Rock Strikes 10, the show guaranteed to always give you 10 songs, no more, no less. My name is Joey. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show here today, especially if you're doing it at the central station of cnjradio.com. All right, we are now into part three of the top 40 albums of 2001, which means it is now time for album number 20. According to me, myself, and I, Joey, right here, I did a lot of painstaking, months and months of listening to all the records that I either bought or never heard in 2001. It's a nice mix of both things, and I think I got a pretty damn good list right here. We've jumped a bit of a mini chasm as far as the point system goes, of course, with the top 20. The point score to get better, the must-own ability gets even better, so yes, pretty much from this point on, I think you should own all of these records. So yes, coming in at number 20 tonight, kicking off this particular episode, is Houston's finest power trio, King's X, with the album Manic Moonlight. Their ninth studio album, and they were just on a roll at this point. They put out a record the year before. And then uh, they would put out, like, five records in this decade. But, like, it went, like, 2000, 2001, 2003. They had records out. They were just on a roll. Very prolific band. And uh, this is a good one, man. And This one kind of got lost in the shuffle in my collection. And listening to it now, I have no idea why. I think as far as the, you know... Mr. Bulbous, Manic Moonlight, Black Like Sunday run, as I call it, in the early aughts. Uh, this might be the best of the three. It's definitely, I think, the funkiest album they've ever done as far as arrangements go. Uh, so I really, really love this record. It's aged very well. So yeah, if you've never heard Manic Moonlight or any King's X records, then shame on you, especially when it comes to that. But if you are a King's X fan, you haven't heard Manic Moonlight, what are you doing? This song's going to make you feel like a real asshole. So here you go, kicking off the show here today. The Great Kings X, Doug Jerry and Ty with The Other Side. Kicking off the show here today, album number 20, King's X's Manic Moonlight. That was The Other Side. It's really nice, uh, especially to get like that run of King's X records on vinyl, finally, for the first time ever. Uh, sporadically, during these last few record store days, we got Tapehead, Please Come Home, Mr. Bulbous, and this one right here, Manic Moonlight. My favorite of those three. If I had to put a fine point on it, who knows? But I listened to this one more lately, of course, for purposes of this countdown, but man killer killer record and like i said it's it's probably their overall funkiest record all right coming in at number 19 here is the third record by a band that you know when they first came out and they were actually very popular from the get-go but i didn't really buy in i don't know why because they're the the one song that they're known for is an uh, excellent amazing song that song in the meantime you know talking about space hog if i didn't mention that already we are talking about space hog but yeah i actually came in on the second album the chinese album which is a phenomenal record uh if you're a fan of especially like classic 70s records then the chinese album is a record you gotta hear and uh the third one here that came out on april 10th 2001 co-produced by some names i mentioned before paul q coldery and sean slade the hagasy right here not as good as the chinese album I don't know if it's as good as Resident Alien, but uh, there's still a lot to love about this record. There's some really, really, really good songs in here. I Want to Live is great. I like This is America a lot. Uh, at Least I Got Laid* is a fun song. I think the problems this album had is that the first song is, eh, it's all right. There was like another song in there and I was like, ah. but that all being said, I think it's pretty much an unheard record that people definitely should check out. It's good enough to come in here at number 19. So there you go, From the Hagusy. This is Space Hog with really killer track right here in the middle of the record called Perpetual Drag. right, Space Hog right there with Perpetual Drag from their album The Hogacy*. At this point, Royce Langdon, the lead singer, is Steven Tyler's son-in-law because he is the envy at this point of like 95% of the male population being married to Liv Tyler at this time. Fun fact in case you didn't know it. There you go. Hope you enjoyed that. Cool rock band right there. Uh they got back together somewhat recently, that comeback I album. Mean, was alright. Maybe I need to re-listen to it. I know Royce is finally being a little active here and there, at least online, so maybe we'll get some new music out of him soon. I thought it was really cool a few years ago whenever Resident Alien got reissued on vinyl for Record Store Day. He showed up to one of his local stores and kind of did a little mini appearance there. So I thought that was really cool. Anyway, moving on here album number 18 this album definitely new to me as of the last few years because i really hit hard with this band i was real late to the party but man now that i'm here I'm, i'm all in just a killer band they always seem to turn up on my list whenever they have an album out in these particular years doesn't matter when They're just always going to be on it because they are a consistently great rock and roll band. One of the greats of this century right here. Backyard Babies uh, with their album Making Enemies is good. Super fun, enjoyable listen right off the bat. It's easy to listen to. Just great straight up rock and roll with some little trash punk, garage rock. Little bit of metal, not too much. Just uh, just a really killer band from Sweden. I love them. And uh, my initial listen, I was like, this is my favorite song on the record. And it still is my favorite song on the record. And lo and behold, before I even realized that the band wrote this with Ginger Wildheart. So of course it's my favorite song on the record. <laughs> but I like that I didn't know that in advance. I literally found that out when I was doing my research for the show in the very little that I do. But here you go. Not to waste any more time. This is Backyard Babies with uh, not the title track, but they do mention the album title a lot in this song. The song is called Brand New Hate. The Way It Ought to Be, once again, right there. Backyard Babies with brand new hate from the album. Making Enemies is good. The number 18 album of 2001. I I gotta think that if I had a little more nostalgia for that record, it probably would have been in the top 10, honestly. I'm just being honest here. But with one more exception, it is nostalgia from here on out for the rest of this countdown, including the next episode. Uh, And almost nothing screams 2001 more than this one, in my opinion. So for the number 17 album... This is an album, a debut album by this band. It was a much anticipated release. It came out on September 25th of 2001, produced by the Dust Brothers, who produced one of my all-time favorite albums, Paul's Boutique. And uh, here's some more fun facts from straight out of my brain, because I remember actually reading the credits when the album came out, because I'm a nerd, I would do that. Pretty much all the drums on this album were performed by Dave Grohl. All the bass guitar was performed by Steve McDonald, who uh, was in Red Cross, I guess still in Red Cross, and is the current bass player for the Melvins. And Warren Fitzgerald, the lead guitarist from the Vandals, all bands that I love, and uh, came together to perform on this, backing up these two guys right here, Kyle and Jack, better known as Tenacious D. And, uh, you know, I remember hearing the buzz about this record and everything. I didn't even see the short episodes of their show prior to this record coming out, so I guess they performed a good amount of these songs on their HBO little mini-series. But was not familiar with any of the songs, so I literally just listened to this album cold, just knowing that, okay, I know a little bit about Jack Black. I saw High Fidelity. As far as comedy rock goes, and I'm not even that big on comedy rock, honestly. It usually, for me, just comes off as trying too hard, and maybe people think that about Tenacious D. I would get that. I did love the record when it came out, and listening to it recently, I was surprised how much I still thought it was funny and listenable. Uh, so, yeah, Tenacious D right here. Give it up for the D. Uh, but, yeah, you know, just reading that these great artists were also involved in, you know, kind of beefing up the album, if you will. Because I'm sure they could have just done the two acoustic guitars, you know, and, and it would have been fine. But, like I said, Steve and Dave and Warren really add to this record. The arrangements are actually damn good, I got to say. You know, when you hear, like, you know, I mean, like, Wonder Boy was like the first video they they actually would play fucker gently heavily edited on the radio i know and that got people going but yeah so i was thinking of playing wonder boy because like that's probably the best song musically but i still get a kick out of this song right here so here you go to represent the d the tenacious d self-titled debut album right here coming in at number 17 on the top 40 albums of 2001 tribute
1: road, and he said, play the best song in the world, or I'll eat your soul. Well, me and Kyle, we looked at each other, and we each said, okay. And we played the first thing that came to our heads, just so happened to be. sound anything like
2: The number 17 album, right there, Tenacious D, the song to represent tribute, a tribute to the greatest song ever performed, yet never recorded. I can dig that kind of joke within a joke, right there. All right, coming in at number 16, an album that I loved the first day I bought it when it came out, and I still love the record. My last favorite overall record by this band as well, and they would break up for a few years after this tour because I saw the tour, is the Black Crows, their album Lions that came out on May 7th, 2001. Produced by Don Was, who's a very notable producer. I remember him from Was Not Was. Uh, And he pretty much produced every Rolling Stones album from the last 30 years or so. But yeah, I really love this Lions record. I'll probably tell this story a few times if I haven't already. I saw this show on September 17th, 2001. Yeah, that's notable because it was the first night that shows started back after the 9-11 attacks. And... Saw it at the Bronco Bowl, the greatest venue that ever existed, ever. And, yeah, it was definitely an emotional show, uh, especially from the get-go. You know, like, it was just like they just kind of walked out there cold and said, uh, you know, I think it's time to play some music, and then they just go right into it. Playing sometime Salvation, just amazing. It it just amped up my love of this record. I already liked it, but then, you know, it just it's one of those next-level records for me, especially from 2001 and coming in here at number 16. Uh, We're getting to the point, you know, in the last few records where it's hard for me to pick the song I want to play to represent this, in case you've never heard anything off of it. Uh, Honestly, like, there's like half of this record, I think, are great handshakes into the Lions record. But I'm going to go with this one right here. This one's very straightforward. It's got a cool Sly Stone feel to it, so I'm really feeling this one right now. This is Come On. Come On. come on right there the black crows from the album lions go check out that record if you haven't before that's where we're at on this countdown you you must listen to all these records so yeah moving on to album number 15 right here this one came out uh, in the same month as lions april 3rd 2001 produced by blackie lawless and yes we are getting into some wasp right here the album is called unholy terror This is their ninth album. Do you know that Wasp has 15 albums? Do y'all realize that? The great thing about Wasp, and I'm a big fan of Wasp, and even with all the concept records that they did throughout the years, stylistically, musically, they pretty much stuck to their story 100%, and I really dig that. So a decently consistent band from their entire catalog, and really Unholy Terror is kind of one of those proof positive moments. You know, they're basically 20 years into their career, and they're still putting out super quality records. If you listen to Unholy Terror, Just Cold, you wouldn't even realize that it's not one of their classic albums of all time. I believe it to be one of their classic albums of all time, but yeah, that's just me. Definitely noteworthy that the now late great Frankie Benali plays drums on half of this record, even though I think Stet Howland was the touring drummer for it. He plays on the other half. But yeah, a little programming note right there. But yeah, this is the killer record. If you dig Vintage Wasp, then you should check out some of these latter records. Uh, Hel Dorado is pretty good too. But yeah, Unholy Terror is my favorite post-2000s Wasp record. So here you go. You're going to believe me once you hear this song. This is Hate to Love Me. All right, some fucking Wasp right there with Hate to Love Me from Unholy Terror. Great record. Go get that one for sure. That makes me just want to listen to more Wasp. But uh, uh, until then, stay tuned with me through the end of this episode, unless you just pause it to listen to Five Hours of Wasp. We're getting into album number 14 right here. I played Backyard Babies earlier on this episode, and we're moving back over to Sweden with the Sahara Hot Nights and their second album, Genie Bomb. This came out in the summer of 2001 uh, overseas, everywhere else except for the U.S. It didn't get U.S. distribution until 2002. But that's such a big gap, I'm going to call it a 2001 record. So there you go. It was produced by Chips K along with the band. And yeah, just this killer all-girl band from Sweden. They got about six records out now at this point, and I recommend getting into them. At the time, they were kind of marketed as the female hives. And I think maybe even one of the ladies in the band had a relationship with somebody in the hives, if not Pele himself. But man, they they hold their own. Badass, just killer rock band right here. So I went under the assumption that maybe you've never heard any songs by the Sahara Hot Nights. And I'm not looking down on you. I mean, you just haven't been programmed that way. Not yet. But you're going to be by me right now. So here you go. Here's a killer song right here to hopefully get you into this band. This is On Top of Your World. Hot Nights right there with the number fourteen album of two thousand one. The record is called Genie Bomb. That was on top of your world. Hope you enjoyed that. Moving over back to the U.S. for album number thirteen is a band that I you know was definitely a big big fan at the time. I still like this band a whole lot, and uh, you know I almost feel like I have to apologize sometimes for playing this type of music. And uh, for the most part, this genre is garbage. People call it new metal. I think it's a little more industrialish than anything else, but I guess that's what some of new Metal is. But yeah, I'm, I'm still a big fan of Dope. I think they're a really cool band. If I need that good aggro, angry energy, I put on a Dope record for sure. It's good workout music. Maybe not the best in freeway traffic, but I love me some Dope, especially their second album right here, Life. Might be their best overall record. Maybe Group Therapy is their best. I don't know. But Life is a damn strong record. Bought it when it first came out, still listen to it consistently. Uh, came out on November 6, 2001, co-produced by Josh Abraham and Edsel Dope, the lead singer and leader of the band, the consistent member right there. I think the thing that sets this band apart from all these other bands and why I like them over all the other ones is because I've met him before. No, I mean, yeah, yeah, that helps. But I think Edsel is actually a very good songwriter. He's got amazing pop sensibility for somebody in his position. And uh, this is one of those songs, you hear it, it does scream early 2000s, but at the same time, I can't imagine you would listen to this song and not be like, how come this isn't like the thousandth time I've heard this song? This song should have been all over radio in 2001. I will never understand why Sony Records didn't get any kind of payola together for dope, because... Yeah, of course, they got played on radio with the Dead or Alive cover for you spinning around. But man, capitalize. Like, the follow-up record was stronger than the first one. It's got better songs. It's radio-friendly, especially with what was on rock radio at the time. Like, this song should have been huge. Also one of my favorite songs of 2001. Tell me it wasn't at least criminal that this didn't make a format. So here you go. This is Dope with Now or Never. Check it out. There you go. Dope. Now or Never from the album Life, their sophomore album, the number 13 album of 2001. I stand by it. Dying on the Hill. Okay. Speaking of dying, that's going to be in the next song title. Number 12, this album right here. You ever have those bands that like your friends or your quasi friends or co-workers recommend to you and you hear it and you're like, wow, you really don't think a whole lot of me or you think my taste is terrible. So... I was told that I would like this act, and of course, I was a little cynical going in, but the music and just the message, I think, is so undeniable uh, that I, I couldn't resist. I immediately became a fan of this record, and, you know, of course, whenever all the posers fell off, I stayed with it. I even liked the second album. I haven't really dived hard into anything after that, but it still stands that one of the strongest rock albums of 2001, for my money, is I Get Wet by Andrew W.K., which came out on November thirteenth, two 2001. Man, did we need that record at the time. Co-produced by Scott Humphrey, there's that name again, and John Fields. Yeah, man, you could still put this record on and have a good time. It is a party record. It's what it's supposed to be. Still love Party Hard, still love She Is Beautiful. Kind of ACDC-ish, like almost every song pretty much sounds the same. But man it's great it's just a great classic rock record at this point I could say 20 years on it's now a classic album so it's weird to say but it is so yeah here you go uh, my personal favorite song off the record right now uh, and it pretty much since I've had it is this one right here this is the one you just like anything else in the record just turn it up as loud as you can it, it's badass so here you go Andrew W.K. with Ready to Die And don't fool yourself. All that keyboard stuff and all that arrangement uh comes from Andrew, who apparently is a classically trained pianist. So ever try to look him up, there's a lot of weird stuff on there. It's not bad stuff, like it's not cancel stuff. It's not anything that would like, you know. It's not like if you go look up Marilyn Manson lately or, you know, you know, those kind of assholes. But it's weird. Like imposter stuff, possible ghostwriting, who the fuck it's it's weird. I don't know what's going on here, but uh Someone needs to put a book out and put all this in front of me uh, so I can figure out what's going on. But it doesn't take away that that's a great record. I Get Wet by Andrew WK. All right, finishing off the show here tonight, coming in at number 11, this band right here, Fu Manchu. I don't play a ton of Fu Manchu on the show. I I, I like them pretty well. But I got to say, this is their best album. Easily their best album. Maybe not easily. But this is definitely their strongest record in their entire catalog and they got a very healthy catalog and i've enjoyed most of their records some of them are just kind of eh but this one is their best and i don't think that's too much of a stretch either i kind of went out on a limb with gore on the last episode but i think i could definitely run into some fu manchu hardcore fans and they couldn't deny that this is their best album california crossing this one came out october 23rd of 2001 produced by Matt Hyde. There's that name again. He produced the Betty Blowtorch Records. That guy really has his finger on the pulse of great California rock and roll. If, whether you're a surfer or skater or stoner guy like, or just a fan of freaking rock and roll, this album is awesome. So yes, if you've never heard anything off of this record, just buy it. It's, it's great. I, I promise you this. If you love big, beefy guitars, driving drums you know they get picked as a stoner rock band but this is a very high energy record probably another reason why i like it so much so yeah even when they try to get loose like it's still driving so i'm gonna have to play the title track i think it's the best song on the record which is saying a lot so here you go here's fu manchu with california crossing let's go <laughs> Closing off the show here tonight, that was album number 11 of the top 40 albums of 2001. Fu Manchu checking in right there with California Crossing. Once again, I think that's their best album, and one of the best albums of 2001. We only have 10 more to go, obviously, so join me, won't you, on the next episode, which should be out in the next day or two. Like I said, we're going to knock out this whole top 40 within a week right here. And, uh, you know, if you you missed following the show for a few days, you got, like, four new episodes to listen to. But, yes, stay tuned. Next episode, the top ten, the big announcement at the end. And before we get to that, stay tuned here for my better half, Nola, with the plugs and the best damn outro song in all the podcasting business. Take it away, Nola.
0: We would like to thank you for taking the time to listen to the show today. You can reach us on Facebook or Twitter We love getting messages and always do our best to respond. Every time you share our show, our new kittens Ruby and Ripley get a treat. We're on Twitter at RockStrikes10, and the direct email is RockStrikes10 at gmail.com. When you search for us, the number 10 is always spelled out. If you would like to support our show financially, we do have RockStrikes10 shirts for sale. For $20, we will ship you out a high-quality, soft-as-heck, next-level-branded shirt and a button. Send us an email or direct message for more details or to order. Please help us spread the word about this show and all of our other quality shows by listening, liking, subscribing, and sharing. Our official website is cnjradio.com. You can visit this site for all episodes of Rock Strikes 10 going back all the way to episode number one. While you're on cnjradio.com, check out these other quality shows. The Wrestling House Show, a pro wrestling podcast unlike any other. The Synaptic Empire audio transmissions, hosted by Randy Brown, a true alternative. The Last Theater, starring Chris, where cinema's trash is treated like treasure. Talking Rock, with Joey and the great Mark Strekel of Talking Metal. And the I Am Vinyl podcast, with Pete LaRusa and occasionally Joey. Last but not least, we would like to give an extra special thanks to the great Pete LaRusa and the band Spacebeard for the best outro song in the business. Go to facebook.com slash spacebeardband to purchase their music and make sure to tell them that Rock Strikes 10 sent you. We hope you tune into the next show. Until then, have fun.